Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and welcome back, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. We are back together. It's been, what, maybe five or six weeks since we've all sat in these chairs together. Annabelle and I hugged this morning, <laughs> and we never do that. <laughs> but it has been over a month since I've seen you in person. We've been reunited. I actually got a little bit teary. When I, <laughs> I can't believe I missed the hug. I was five minutes late was to the beautiful. office. Now, coming up on today's show, Lizzo, Lizzo, Lizzo. The Grammy Award-winning pop star has been accused of some rather dodgy behaviour in a lawsuit from three of her former employees. Then, how did Sophia Bush go from gushing about her husband in June to filing for divorce in August? Bella Hadid addresses the rumours that she's been in rehab. Natalie Portman is probably single again. And the arts and crafts section of TikTok is at war. And Mish cannot look away. I really can't. I cannot. And I'm praying that you both care as much as I do. I get the sense I will care about this. <laughs> but first, Rochelle, how was your week? A little bit of an odd week for me. I did flippantly at the end of last week's episode tell the listeners that I was going in for surgery, but I was kind of like, mm, just getting an ovarian cyst removed, no biggie. It ended up being a bit of a biggie, so I was yeah. recovering all weekend. Big shout out to anyone, including you, Zara McDonald, who has had a laparoscopy before, most difficult surgery in the world to pronounce. Not an easy surgery to recover from, but I'm here and I'm so excited. Yeah, look, you've done very well to get back here in a week. <laughs> Congrats to you. Not the nicest of surgeries. No, this is the first place I've been aside from my bed and my mum's house. <laughs> yeah, and what a place to be. <laughs> our, our new studio, which we'll talk to you all about in a second. Yeah. I have to say, you must have been warmed while you're recovering by the performance of our beautiful Matildas. I could not be more warmed. I am raging hot about the Matildas. It has been, for those who might not be into soccer or who maybe aren't living in Australia right now. Annabelle Lee, listen up. <laughs> I do live in Australia, but I do not watch this. <laughs> do you know what the Matildas yeah, are? They're a soccer team. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> they're the Australian women's soccer team. Of course, the World Cup, the Women's World Cup is on right now. And the Matildas are on fire. Zara and I have become loyal devotees of the Matildas and we could not be more pumped. I couldn't be more pumped. I kind of oscillate between feeling just insanely excited when I watch them play because <laughs> it is so fun to watch and also feeling quite emotional. And I don't know many women who are watching this who aren't feeling occasionally emotional watching how packed stadiums are, how much the country is getting behind women's sport. I actually don't think I've ever seen or experienced anything like it. The fact that the game against Denmark was the most watched thing of any sport, of anything we ever watch, including the AFL Grand Final. In the of, last year. In the last year is just amazing. I keep saying to people when this conversation comes up, like how amazing is it that there's this much focus on women's sport? I think the one key factor for me that really convinced me that this had gone completely mainstream is when I saw a man in the crowd of one of the games when they won take his shirt off with a <laughs> and swirl it in the air. And I was like, I've never seen a middle-aged man react with such fervour about women's sport. Yeah. And it just feels so moving. The fact it was watched like Monday night's game was watched more than the AFL grand final. Which I didn't watch that either. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're not entirely surprised. I I just could not be more pumped. I am so into the like 
feverish excitement around the country about the Matildas. I'm already nervous about Saturday night's game. We've already bought scarves for the entire Shameless Media team. I bought nine <laughs> scarves. And do you know what's so funny? I bought nine scarves and then I was like, you know what? Maybe I should ask Ollie if he wants a scarf. I should ask Mitch if he wants a scarf too. And I have to go and click and collect them from Rebel Sport. This is not sponsored at all. And I, I think this is like a COVID <laughs> lockdown hangover because I was like, are they going to accuse me of stockpiling? Because <laughs> I bought 11 scarves. You're going to sell them online? I was like, is this like not a thing? But I just want everyone to get around it. And everyone in the office is, we couldn't start the show without talking about that as well. It's Matilda's fever. And I've never been more pumped for like, I don't think a sporting moment in a long time. A hundred, a hundred percent. What are you recommending this week? A really easy recommendation. Post-surgery, my brain could not cope with anything. So I've got two really quick recommendations. The first one is Chrissy Teigen and John Legend's Architectural Digest House Tour. Have you watched it? No. No, You need to. It's just a gorgeous house. I did really like that they gave a lot of credit to the designer who put it all together. I think it might be one of my favourite AD house tours from a celebrity. Wow, big call. It is stunning. You will look at this and be like, big call, All right. but an accurate call. I will watch this at my desk when I get back to it. Yeah, watch that on YouTube. It's doing super well. It's like going pretty viral. The other thing I want to recommend is if you've ever heard me talk about Real Housewives or you've seen Real Housewives and the Bravo kind of universe spoken about on social media, but you feel too overwhelmed to jump in. Me. Me too. You. Real Housewives of New York has just relaunched. Entirely new cast, entirely new storylines. I think they might be up to season 14, but it's like a fresh season. You don't need to have watched any of the previous 13 seasons to jump in. There are four episodes. So many of the girls in the team are obsessed with this season. I am one of them. I watched three episodes in one night. I just think it's the easiest time and place to jump into Bravo. Okay, that's such a good tip because I need something really light and fun right now. The summer I turned pretty was just the best. So good. Dare I say, I watched all of that as well while I was recovering from surgery. Loved it. A little depressing season two. Oh. You're right. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> a little. You know what? Maybe I was just so, so desperate for a yes. show like that that I would have taken it even if they killed off the whole cast. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe not. But I, I love that show. So maybe this is a good tip. This is a great season. What about you? What are you recommending? So two quick recommendations. The first one, we haven't even spoken about the fact that Thank God You're Here is back on oh, TV screen. Oh, yes. Did either of you watch it? Of course. Yes. I really loved it. Loved it, guys. I thought it was great. And I think I was slightly nervous about it coming back because I have so many vivid childhood memories of sitting around with my family Mm. watching this show. And definitely one of those things that I probably look back on with rose-coloured glasses. Mm. And we had this thing, actually, this is a tangent, but do we have time today for tangents? Yes. I think the attitude at the moment is we're going to have. <laughs> when, when I was travelling, <laughs> if Ollie and I came across a meal that we just thought was like the best thing in the entire world, we started to not chase it again. We started to not go back and we would say, let it live in folklore. Oh. Don't go back. Do not go back. Because like, it never lives up exactly. to the, the idealised version of the first time. Yeah. Exactly. And so when I came to Thank God You're Here, I got a bit nervous beforehand because I was like, should it live in folklore? <laughs> <laughs> should this live in folklore? And I, it shouldn't. It was really fun. Celia Pacola is an amazing host. The talent they had were incredible. Who Aaron did you guys Chen. love? You love Aaron Friend Chen. of the show, i Friend say. of the show, Aaron Chen. <laughs> I feel bad because I don't know his name, but the guy from Aunt Donna or Auntie Donna, Auntie I Donna. thought he was so funny. I just thought the entire thing 
start to finish, was immaculate. Julia so Samiro. Oh, so uh, funny. Hilarious. Do you guys think when you watch, though, like how much you couldn't do what they do? Well, we were trying to play it after, <laughs> like sort of like in conversation to be like, I'll put you in this scene and say something. And I just, nothing would come out of my mouth. It is so impressive. So that is back on Wednesday nights. It's on tonight because we record on Wednesday. So I can't wait to watch that. Also, quickly, I have so much respect for the people who do go on it. Because oh, imagine literally. if you flop on Thank God You're Here, like the anxiety that would give me is so intense. Bravo to everyone who puts themselves out there. Absolutely. My second recommendation is easily the best thing I read in the last week. It is called What We're Really Saying When We Talk About Gatekeeping. That is in the cut. Now, the word gatekeeping is everywhere at the moment. I think most commonly used in my life anyway, when I see it on TikTok where people say like, where are your pants from? Don't gatekeep. Hot girls don't gatekeep. Yeah, Yeah. like guys, I'm going to tell you where my whole skincare routine is from because I don't gatekeep. And now there's this really interesting piece by Anne Friedman, who is one of my favorite writers in the cut, that does go into depth about it's like quite a layered piece and I don't want to like make it sound one note but what I personally took from it is like we can gatekeep from time to time and it's not always a bad thing and how gatekeeping is just kind of synonymous with like being an influencer and and sort of having a brand of quote-unquote authenticity these Mm. days. I want to read you some quotes from the piece because I really really liked it. Maybe it's because I'm a rapidly aging millennial, but I still think a little gatekeeping can be a good thing depending on the context. The implicit demand to reveal the thought process behind every decision and the provenance of every purchase feels like socially enforced oversharing. The rise of don't gatekeep has reframed keeping things to yourself as a selfish act, but not everything is for everyone. And sometimes the act of sharing does more harm than good. I'm thinking of how Anthony Bourdain felt conflicted about sending droves of tourists to mum and pop restaurants. I'm thinking of gentrification and what happens when certain neighbourhoods are positioned as hidden gems. Mm. I found this a lot when I was overseas, when someone might recommend something to you and you might turn up and you're like, oh, this has been TikTokified. Yeah. And then it's sort of like... It's lost its charm a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, I I don't ever want to pretend that sharing things online and telling people where you buy things or whatever is not a good thing. Yeah. But I think the binary way we look at gatekeeping is probably not that helpful. There are also other really interesting elements in this article about how gatekeeping is really important to preserve certain cultures and communities, which I found really interesting. Anyway, I found it different to anything else I've read on the internet, so I will put a link in the show notes. Thank you. Before we get into our very first segment... Oh, no, we're doing that thing again. (laughs) We have a couple of updates. Now, the first update is we should have touched on this last week, but there was so much to cover, we simply forgot. You guys noticed that in our videos we were in a bit of a different space, and that is because... We have moved office. Yes. Well, we haven't actually technically moved offices. We're (laughs) recording in the new studio at the moment. We move on Monday. But it's a big deal for us because it's been, I mean, we've been working on this since November last year (laughs) and it's August. It has nearly broken my soul a few times, but we are moving in and it's going to be so worth it. (laughs) We're so sad to be moving out of the co-working space that we've been out of for the last what, three years? Three years. I never felt like I'd ever be someone that would be emotionally attached to office spaces. It's the end of an era. It does <laughs> feel like that, but we've simply grown out of the space that we're in and we need more space. So this is a big old space. We are so excited about it. We'll put some stuff up on socials when like our furniture has all arrived and we're ready to do so. But yes, it's a new studio. No, you weren't imagining things. We are so excited because we're growing. So it's an exciting time. Yeah, exactly. The other thing we wanted to talk to you about 
and some of our Shame More subscribers might have got the hint on this a few months ago. Mm. But we have been asked constantly by our listeners when we can bring back In Conversation, Michelle. We have. We miss In Conversation as much as you guys do. The problem is, is that we did In Conversation for what, almost three years, I think, And we did it exclusively from Melbourne, Australia, which means that we ran through so many of the people that we'd want to be interviewing who live here in Australia. And so really the large reason we stopped in Convo was because we felt like there weren't that many people to interview anymore. Yeah, we genuinely would get to planning talent and realise we have interviewed a huge chunk of the Australian entertainment industry here. And so the conversation between us has naturally turned to when it comes to bringing back in conversation who would we like to interview overseas? Like, mm. who are the talent? Who are the people that we would just love to sit down and talk to if we weren't confined to Australia? Mm. And we were talking about this in the context of what we wanted to do with the show this year, what kind of different things, unexpected things cool we wanted things. to do. yeah. And so we're going to go to London to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are going to London the three of us, plus our partnerships director, Ree, are all going to London in three weeks. Yeah, it's so silly. We're having a little bit of a trip together. <laughs> We're going to create lots of content. We're going to do some vlogs. And, of course, we are doing in-conversation interviews with some of our favourite British personalities. So we're bringing you back a four-part bespoke in-conversation series. We will sit down in studio with these people because that's the other thing. You can get these people over Zoom and people might ask, why didn't we? But for podcasters who have done this for, what, five and a half years now, there is no replacement for sitting down in a room with someone. It's not the same. It's not the same. And also... Remote recordings can be so stressful the number of times it drops out or like tech issues. Yeah, like I think Zoom recordings are amazing in COVID when they were what we had to do. Mm. But any day of the week, give me an in-person sit-down around table conversation. And so that is why we're going. You will still get your regular scandal. You'll still get your regular Thursday episodes. We will record while we're over there. And then we will also (laughs) drop the four-part series the week after we get back. I will tell you the first episode date so you know when this is coming. The first episode will drop on September 12th. So exciting. So there is so much to do for us. (laughs) We have some talent booked in. We've got a couple of names that will be familiar to you that we are excited about. But we also didn't want to do this without asking who you wanted us to sit down and talk to. Yes, we want your input. We want to know who are the people you want us to chat to. We can go high, we can go low, whether they're business founders or reality stars. We want to hear from you. We'll put up a feed post on our account on Instagram and we want you to comment who we should interview. Yes, exactly. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. I am really excited about this. It is slightly ridiculous we leave in three weeks because I am not mentally prepared, (laughs) but I am excited. So yeah, that's all the news and updates from us. There's a lot going on here. Annabelle, how do you feel about our little holiday together? So excited. Sometimes I forget that it's not a holiday and we've got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. I think I said that in a meeting yesterday. I was like, oh, I... (laughs) We were talking about planning Everybody Has a Secret yesterday in a meeting and I was like, I guess we can do it in London. Like I keep... keep forgetting that we will be working the whole time. <laughs> anyway, Mish, we have to jump into our first proper segment of the show. We have to start where everybody's been asking us to start, and that is with Lizzo. Yes. Now, this story about Lizzo was breaking as we were editing last week's episode, but truthfully, we wanted to give it some time to see how the story developed over the week. And boy, did the story develop. A lot has happened in the life of 
pop star Lizzo in the last seven days. Everything kicked off with the civil lawsuit that was filed in Los Angeles by three of her former backup dancers. Those dancers' names are Crystal, Ariana and Noelle. Their lawsuit alleges misconduct by Lizzo herself, but also her production company, which is called Big Girl Big Touring Inc., as well as Lizzo's dance captain. So essentially the boss of her dance squad, that's a woman named Shirlene Quigley. Yeah, now prior to filing this suit, two of the women had been fired from the dance group, while the third said that she had resigned over poor culture and poor treatment of her fellow dancers. We're going to kind of outline the lawsuit claims and then we will kind of speak about Lizzo's response here as well because lots of layers to this story. The lawsuit claims quite a bit. I think the most highly publicised complaints, Mish, were that the work environment featured sexual harassment. I definitely Mm. think that's been the topic that's been reported on the most. The lawsuit states that Lizzo, you know, allegedly made requests to employees that were of a sexual nature, including pressuring them to attend a performance with nude dancers in Amsterdam, to eat bananas placed in nude dancers' genitals, and pressured one of the dancers to touch a dancer's breast. Yes. Other claims pertain to what the three women call religious harassment. They claim that they were forced to participate in group Christian prayer irrespective of their differing faiths. The suit also claims that a few months ago, Lizzo and senior management informed the dance group that despite already being given the job to perform on her special tour, they were being forced to re-audition and anyone who wasn't satisfactory at this second audition would be fired on the spot and sent home. The trio claimed that an excruciating 12-hour audition ensued where one of them was so fearful she'd lose her job if she went to the bathroom, she actually soiled her pants. That dancer claims she was then given a see-through outfit with no undergarments to complete the 12-hour audition. Yeah, there is another claim as well that Lizzo was cracking her knuckles and balling her fists towards one of the dancers during a confrontation, which gave the impression that she was preparing to physically assault her. There is another claim that Lizzo made thinly veiled comments about a dancer's weight gain. There's more, but those are kind of the big ticket items that, as I said before, are the ones being reported on the most and probably the most stark to read, Mm. the three women are seeking monetary compensation for their distress. Now, Mish, when this broke last week, it just went wild on the internet. Yeah, this exploded and has been exploding, I think, almost every day since. I think because the claims made in this lawsuit could not be more incongruous with the public image that Lizzo has put out since the beginning of her career. Like, the claims here from these dancers feels so far removed from the like self-love positivity advocate that we've seen from Lizzo in a public sense. And so I think people are naturally really asking themselves the question, who is Lizzo? And do we know who she is as a person at all? Have we gotten it all wrong? Yeah, I think it's been confusing for a lot of people. And I think she has such fervent fans. And I can imagine reading allegations like this are only naturally going to be confronting. Now, things got worse for Lizzo when not only did you have this lawsuit going on, but she also had former people who have worked alongside her come out on social media who weren't a part of this lawsuit, but who were happy to back up the general gist of the claims. One person in particular who did that was Sophia Nali Allison, who 
is a director who actually worked with Lizzo for a couple of weeks on a documentary. She wrote on Instagram, in 2019, I travelled a bit with Lizzo to be the director of her documentary. I walked away after about two weeks. I was treated with such disrespect by her. I witnessed how arrogant, self-centred and unkind she is. That is not backwards and coming forward. No, I was going to say not beating around the bush there. And she wasn't the only one. Creative director Quinn Wilson and dancer Courtney Hollenquest also posted on social media saying their dealings with Lizzo were in line with the claims made in the lawsuit. So naturally, Lizzo had to say something about all of this. She actually posted quite the notes app statement indeed on the weekend. And I think it could only be described as like a furious and emphatic denial on all counts. The statement read, These last few days have been gut-wrenchingly difficult and overwhelmingly disappointing. My work ethic, morals and respectfulness have been questioned. My character has been criticised. Usually, I choose not to respond to false allegations, but these are as unbelievable as they sound and too outrageous to not be addressed. She went on, The sensationalised stories are coming from former employees who have already publicly admitted they were told their behaviour on tour was inappropriate and unprofessional. I'm not here to be looked at as a victim, but also know that I am not the villain that people in the media have portrayed me to be in these last few days. I am very open with my sexuality and expressing myself, but I cannot accept or allow people to use that openness to make me out to be something I'm not. I'm hurt, but I will not let the good work I've done in the world be overshadowed by this. Hmm. I think a lot of people have noted the interestingness. I'm not sure if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting nature. <laughs> the interestingness of Lizzo noting that she's open with her sexuality and that in some way has been misconstrued to sexual harassment. It's muddy, muddy mm. terrain. One overriding thought that I had when I read this is it's interesting to me that an employer and an employee's would go to some kind of like nude sex bar together if they did, if that is all something that happened. Mm. It is interesting to me that that dynamic and a group of workers together would be out watching naked things. And we were having this conversation in the office actually last week about whether workplaces still do this. And I think despite all that, some of them still do. Yeah, I was about to say I missed that conversation because yeah. I was getting surgery. But I am not surprised that dancers in the entertainment industry would go to an event like this. I know that might sound strange, but this is like Hollywood. And I'm not sure that people who are on a tour around the world together, dancing and singing and performing together, am I that surprised they would go to this kind of performance in Amsterdam? Not really at all. I think what it comes down to then is like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe there's not a huge level of surprise, but I also think it speaks so much to the muddiness of employer-employee relationships yes. in contexts like this and how, truthfully, even if you are travelling the world together and are really close, you need to have boundaries in place. Absolutely. There needs to be really firm boundaries in place because at the end of the day, people are doing this to earn a wage. Like that's what they're there for. It is a workplace first and foremost. I am also really interested to see that she had hired a lawyer, Marty Singer, who 
has got a lot of press in the last few days and Lizzo's got a lot of press for hiring Marty Singer because everyone's kind of reporting on the fact that Lizzo has hired the guy that has represented Bill Cosby, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jonah Hill and Charlie Sheen. I went to do some digging into Marty Singer and let me tell you, he is a character and a half. Mm. There is a really, really fascinating profile of him done in Vanity Fair from maybe five years ago. If people are interested, I will put the link in the show notes. It's fascinating. One thing I thought was a bit reductive of the media is kind of ignoring the fact that he has represented basically everyone in Hollywood. Mm. He's also represented Zoe Deschanel, Kim Kardashian, Scarlett Johansson. So a bunch of names. So a bunch of names. He is, though, meant to be a bulldog, a total bulldog. This line from about him in Vanity Fair I found so interesting. Through guile, bluster, finesse, intimidation and money, Singer makes problems disappear for celebrities. He scares off or placates the reporters, the parasites, the crazies, the opportunists, the aggrieved. He keeps an unflattering documentary on Bruce Willis off the air, gets Arnold Schwarzenegger gun-toting bobblehead dolls pulled off the shelves, or, by settling a hit and run for her, lets Halle Berry go off to make and win an Oscar for Monsters Ball. Oh, my God. So what what was that thing about Halle Berry? At the I end? don't know. That's why I also included it because I was like, <laughs> this is something I need to dig into later. He is the kind of guy that can get stuff sorted. And some people might have already seen in the press that he is already going to great lengths to discredit the women who have lodged this lawsuit. So I do think it is just an interesting thing to note that I, I think this will get dirtier before it gets cleaner. That's fascinating. I also want to say as well, I know a lot of people read that statement from Lizzo or maybe even just heard us read it out then and are disappointed that Lizzo didn't apologise to the women behind this lawsuit or wasn't maybe empathetic in their mind. I would say maybe it's an obvious point, but if Lizzo did any of that in her statement, She's essentially setting herself up for a huge civil payout. Like she's essentially admitting some level of guilt if she offers any kind of apology. I'm not saying I'm on Team Lizzo. I'm just saying the statement is the least surprising thing in the world, given there's going to be a court case potentially about this. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is if it's got to this point, like if it's got to the point where a lawsuit has been lodged, there is no way she's releasing a statement of the kind that you speak of, Mish, because if she did read allegations like this and did feel that, oh, maybe maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle, they would have settled months mm. ago. Or even if she didn't feel that, even if she just didn't want it to get this far, it would have settled a long time ago. And I am surprised that, that we know about it. That we know about this. And I guess one of two things could have happened. The women could have just gone straight to the lawsuit and lodge this publicly or they could have been talking for a while. I just I just am surprised it wasn't settled earlier. Well, it's interesting timing as well. Her... Her tour, the one that this is all kind of erupted on and all taken place on, it only finished three days before this lawsuit was filed or like made public at least. The timing is incredibly interesting as well. Overwhelmingly, sitting with everything over the last week, I think my main takeaway is the older I get, the more wary I am of the person who brands themselves as the authority on kindness. Like I think so many times across my 29 years of life, I've seen that person who might make kindness their personal brand. And so many times that person has ended up being the opposite of what they preach. I just find it a very interesting psychological thing to make the concept of kindness your whole ethos and like the center of who you are and what you want people to know about you. 
I just become more and more suspicious when I see that in my life. Well, and I f- yeah. Sorry, I just sort of cut you off that. But I feel like it's that kind of thing that when you're happy, you don't even talk about happiness because you don't realize you're happy. You're just sort of like floating and existing yeah. in a beautiful way. I feel like that a lot around when people talk a lot about Being kindness. Kind. Yeah. Because it's like, do you need to remind yourself of this? Or is it like <laughs> yeah. inbuilt in you? I, I agree with you to some level. I mean, the other part of this for me is I, as I said earlier, I do think this is going to get messier before it gets cleaner, quote unquote. And I, I wonder what happens to Lizzo's career from here, because I do think no matter what happens out of this lawsuit and no matter what we find out to be true or not true, I do think there is some damage that can't be taken back over the last week. And I think a lot of that came from the women who supported the lawsuit but weren't even directly involved in it and won't be potentially benefiting from it either. Coming up after the break, how did Sophia Bush go from gushing about her husband in June to filing for divorce in August? Then Bella Hadid addresses the rumours she's been in rehab. Oh, and don't forget about the arts and crafts story. But first, (laughs) a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the rough and tumble. Of- oh, <laughs> fuck. Every from week- the top. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I hear from the top. Make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Well done. <laughs> Zara, obsessed with the Matildas McDonald. Nice. What have you got for us? Our first story. Sophia Bush is divorcing husband Grant Hughes after 13 months of marriage. That is from People magazine. So it would appear we are cursed. <laughs> we are cursed if we talk about your marriage on Scandal you will be headed for a surprise divorce that no one sees coming. And for that, we apologise to not just Sophia Bush, but Sophia Vergara as well. I can't believe this. Over the weekend, news broke that Sophia Bush and her husband of 13 months, Grant Hughes, have called it quits. Now, the One Tree Hill actress filed for divorce on Friday. A source close to the couple told People, Sophia and Grant were friends for 10 years and bonded during COVID through their love of community service. They continued to run their non-profit together and remain good friends. I don't believe it. Here's the thing, right? This story feels like there's more to it and that it might trickle out later. Yes. For example... The news comes just seven weeks after Sophia Bush celebrated their wedding anniversary in a post on Instagram, right? In that post, she wrote, today marks 365 days of calling you husband. She captioned it was like a black and white throwback photo of their wedding day. She went on, best decision of my life. It still feels like this ecstatic, running towards the future, grinning and laughing together. I love you, my favorite. Happy anniversary. That was June. It's it's like the words fail me because that is the most emphatic anniversary post, first wedding anniversary post you can come up with. Like not just the photo, but the caption. You could not write a more love-laden caption if you tried. And that was seven weeks ago. 
and now she's divorcing him. And I think other people have pointed it out as well. There's no split here. There's no like quiet separation, see how they go, then maybe divorce in six to 12 months like a lot of other couples do. It is, nope, seven weeks to I am filing for divorce. This is completely irreparable. Like there is no, the no coming back for me. Yeah, and it's the swift distancing I think, for me. Not yes. like when we're celebrities, not me. When people <laughs> are celebrities, nothing says I'm distancing myself from this person more than a divorce announcement. Completely. So what has happened in the duration of seven weeks for Sophia Bush to go from I love you, my favorite, best decision of my life, to I want you so out of my life, I'm divorcing you, and that's being made public knowledge. Yeah, and that is final. I mean, I also found it interesting. It doesn't sound like Sophia has had the best last month or so, according to People magazine, just two weeks before the divorce announcement happened. Sophia had to leave the production of 222, a ghost story on West End early. She actually couldn't finish her run because she caught a virus that was apparently going through the company. On Instagram, she wrote, after weeks of being intermittently pulled off stage and visiting multiple doctors, specialists and an all-nighter in the ER, I have been advised by my medical team in London and America to stop performing in order to get this under control and to do so in the country where I reside under the care of my own doctors. It was a really long post. She basically said she was crushed not to be able to return to the production. And so that was on July 21. She did upload a a photo in hospital in the dump. So Mm. it is clear that she has been unwell for sure. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this is all layered as well and connected in some way. It feels like a big coincidence if they have nothing to do with each other at all. I mean, the stress, the stress of going through a divorce, which I'm guessing by July 21, something must have been in motion. And clearly a divorce that was probably quite a shock to you. Yes. I just... Probably. I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) We know nothing. We'll put that on the record. But I just feel it in me waters. This story is not done. It can't be done. Something has to have gone so cataclysmically wrong in my mind. And it's just my opinion. But in my mind, something's gone really wrong. And we are going to find out about it. Also, when you have her friends come out on social media and support, I always find that interesting. Hilary Burton Uh, who was a star of One Tree Hill as well, someone tweeted, I would walk through fire for this woman with a a photo of Sophia Bush. And she just retweeted that saying, same, with a kiss emoji. And I was like, what do you want us to know? What is going on? Like, I'm ride or die for Sophia Bush after doing the episode on her and Chad Michael Murray. I feel like Chad was not the best husband. So if I feel like that has happened a second time around, I will be... Quite upset. <laughs> yeah, 1,000%. Our second story, Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater went on multiple double dates with spouses Dalton Gomez and Lily J while carrying on their own romance and were so sloppy about hiding the relationship on the Wicked set that everyone in the cast knew. That is from the Daily Mail. As usual, the whole story is in the headline. <laughs> There's not much else to say. Annabelle Lee, you mm. weren't here for when we shared all of our thoughts and feelings about this rumoured affair last week. Yes. Do you want to quickly get some feelings off your chest before we get into the updates. Do you have some? I feel surprised, firstly. (laughs) I do. It was weird. My first thought was, I wonder what the cast of Wicked thought. Because, you know, when they were seen at the tennis match, her and Jonathan Bailey, I was like, he must have known Mm. this whole time. Well, according to this story in the Daily Mail, lots and lots of people knew. Mm. Now, of course, 
we are only going off quotes from an anonymous source, but this source has laid out quite the timeline of events when it comes to Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater's rumoured affair. Here's the quote. They were sloppy on set. They were seen being all over each other while he was still supposedly happily married to Lily. They were seen making out at a pub in Hampstead and they were all over each other at Michelle Yeoh's Oscar party. Now, a reminder, the Oscars are in March. Michelle's party was in March. We had Ethan's love-filled post to his wife for Mother's Day in May. Yeah, exactly. The math ain't mathing, as we often say. (laughs) The source went on. Ariana and Dalton went on double dates with Ethan and Lily several times, and they were seen out by cast members. Lily and Ethan also met Ariana's family together, including her mum and brother. I mean, I do sort of feel like the feverishness around this story has died very slightly in the last week and a half and Mm. I do think by this time next week we might not even be mentioning it Mm. which is very interesting when we think about where this story was at two weeks ago so it's died pretty quickly but I do still find it interesting that stories like this are making their way out into the media. I agree this anonymous source also said that Ariana and Ethan's rumoured affair was revealed to Lily J and that Ethan and Lily actually tried to work through it for a bit but Ethan kept seeing Ariana secretly while they were trying to repair their marriage. So a lot of interesting accusations flying around. It gets even juicier because with this article, Daily Mail published some sneaky little paparazzo shots from the set of the Wicked movies where Ariana and Ethan seem to have become close. They wrote alongside the pap shots, aerial images taken on the set of the movie on May 31, over a month before it was revealed that Ariana and Ethan are dating, show the pair strolling towards their trailers together. It's interesting because I was really keen to see these photos and they didn't show me that much. Mm. So I was like, this could be a photo of anything. Mm. Maybe it's common for paps to hang around movie sets. People want to see the behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, I don't think any of us are denying that. Something went on anyway. (laughs) Our third story. Bella Did opens up about her ongoing health struggles. I'll be back when I'm ready. That's from Vogue. In case you missed it, rumours about Bella Did have run rampant on social media as of late. First of all, we had the reports that she and her long-term boyfriend, Mark Kelman, had split. Then attention turned to this idea that Bella was actually spending time in a rehab facility. That, to my research, was first reported by the generally pretty untrustworthy tabloid In Touch. But from there, it spread on social media like wildfire. To put it in context, on the weekend, multiple TikTok videos came up on my feed, some of them with hundreds of thousands of likes, about Bella being in rehab and kind of the blind items that support that theory. Yeah, and I think it got so big that Bella felt compelled to address it. On TikTok, she wrote, No, I wasn't in rehab and no, I don't do drugs, so we can all drop it now. Over on Instagram, she actually gave more information. She shared like a dozen photos from the last few months announcing that she'd been through, and I quote, 100 days of Lyme, chronic disease, co-infection treatment after almost 15 years of invisible suffering. Now, the photos included 
health documents, photos of her getting her blood drawn, lying in bed, and looking depleted in clinic-like settings. Now, the caption on her first post read like this. The little me that suffered would be so proud of grown me for not giving up on myself. Thankful to my mummy for keeping all my medical records, sticking by me, never leaving my side, protecting, supporting, but most of all, believing me through this. Yeah. Now, of course, the mummy or mum that she's referring to in that caption is Yolanda Hadid, who is arguably one of the most controversial celebrity mums. We have gone into the reasons why in detail in our four-part series on the Hadid. We truly couldn't have done more. (laughs) (laughs) We truly have. I feel like we've got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this woman and her children. Now, for the unacquainted or those who haven't listened to that four-part series, Yolanda has spent much of the last decade speaking about what she calls chronic Lyme disease. Now, we think it's important context when we talk about the Hadids and Lyme that we tell you that Yolanda actually originally tested negative to Lyme disease in a medical hospital. Yolanda says that not only she has chronic Lyme disease, but Bella and her son Anwar have the same condition too. To be totally transparent with all of you listeners, this is not the easiest topic to speak on because while Lyme disease is recognised by medical doctors, this label of chronic Lyme disease that we often hear from the Hadid family, which is the idea that Lyme disease can make you sick or even bedridden for years or over a decade at a time, that is rejected by medical experts. It's rejected by science. In fact, many medical experts came together for a piece in The Lancet, which is one of the most respected medical journals in the world, to actually argue that the way celebrities bandy around this term of chronic Lyme and the way the media and popular culture discuss it is anti-science and it leaves people open to medical fraud. Yeah, and I think it's why when stories like this come up, as you say, Mish, it kind of is difficult to talk about, but we also feel compelled to give you the facts. Like lots and lots of media outlets just don't do that when this stuff makes headlines. Mm. And Bella's posts include photos of documents that reference things like energy is in proper balance, energetic method and alkaline tissue pH that you wouldn't find in paperwork from a medical doctor, which is all just to say that this is messy. And I do think we need to be quite discerning when we're banding around the term chronic line, but I also would never, ever want to discount clearly what Bella Hadid is going through because she is clearly going through something. Yeah. Like something is clearly, she's clearly not feeling up to it. She is clearly not feeling her best. And I will never tell anyone that they are not allowed to say that or feel that. It's just kind of walking that fine line as responsible broadcasters as well. Yeah, well, it's like who's putting themselves through 100 days of treatment? If they don't feel they're sick. Like no one's doing that for funsies. So we want to make that clear. Like we are not doubting that Bella Hadid is sick, but we owe it to people to speak about the facts. And if we're speaking about the facts according to the experts in the field, chronic Lyme has never been proven to be a legitimate disease. So it's hard to hold both things at the same time and it's messy, but we feel obligated to do it. Yeah, and I think we can. I honestly think we can hold both of those things at the same time and we should. Our fourth story reports that Natalie Portman, husband Benjamin Millipede separate after his alleged affair 
That is from page six. So many splits, so many alleged affairs. It's oh, hard to keep up. Honestly, can we have a bit of versatility? <laughs> <laughs> now, Natalie Portman and her husband, Benjamin Bielapede, have reportedly separated following rumours he had an affair. Now, just to remind you of a bit of context here, we spoke about this in early June. Natalie Portman's husband is a dancer and choreographer who was once a principal at the New York City Ballet. He's pretty big in the world of dance. They met on the set of Black Swan in 2009 when he was a choreographer. As our listeners might remember, their coming together wasn't without controversy at the time it was reported that Benjamin had left his partner for Natalie Portman. Mm. I'll never get over how Page Six reported it back in 2010. Are we sharing it again? Yeah, I've got it again. It's my favourite line. There are some lines that I'll never not want to keep saying over and over and over on this show. The chief one being Jennifer Garner's quote about Ben Affleck. I was going to say the James Corden. James Corden would be fucked then. (laughs) That's my favourite line of all time. Now, this line was, a source suggested New York City ballet principal dancer Millipede dumped his ballerina girlfriend Isabella Boylston for Portman to social climb. Maybe they have a great relationship, but knowing Benjamin, I don't think that's how it is. That aside, these two did get married in 2012. They had two kids together. They've lasted till 2023. Things seemed, I mean, we have barely spoken about them over the last five years of doing Shameless. In fact, I don't think we ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Things seemed fine until the reports that circulated in June that the couple was having troubles. Now, the reports all said that the couples had some issues last year, got back together, but then in March, Portman supposedly found out that Benjamin Millipede was maybe having an affair. What's the strangest thing about all of this is that French magazine Voici published images of Millipede and his rumoured lover, going into his office separately on May 24 and exiting 10 minutes apart almost two hours later. Those photos of them exiting his office came reportedly two months after Natalie Portman found out about the alleged affair. Reportedly. Reportedly, (laughs) allegedly, supposedly. (laughs) Now it's being reported that these two have actually split, though they haven't confirmed anything we do have to say. A source told Us Weekly on Monday that the couple called it quits after 11 years of marriage. The source said after news of his affair came out, they've been trying to work on their marriage but are currently on the outs. Look, I wouldn't have included the story if it was only that source that we were relying on. The thing is, Natalie Portman has been spotted in Australia at the moment. She actually quite likes Australia. She lived here for a little bit. Also, big female soccer woman. You know, she bought Angel City FC, I think, is the team off the top of my head. (laughs) It's a soccer-themed episode. (laughs) I'm really hoping that that is the correct name. But she was spotted in Sydney on their wedding anniversary without her wedding ring on. Yeah. And I think if you're Mm. a celebrity... And you want to tell the world that maybe you're getting a divorce, you would take the ring off. If you didn't want people to pay attention. Well, that's what Ariana Grande did. You just wear a ring. And also if your marriage is under the microscope and you leave the house maybe accidentally without wearing a ring or your ring is getting cleaned, I would put any other ring on that yes. finger. I would just put like a placeholder on it because you know that people will be looking. Yeah. Definitely looking. Our fifth story. I'm so excited. (laughs) The arts and crafts DIY section of TikTok is at war and Mish wants to talk about it. There are no headlines out there. Just trust her. It's good. (laughs) I'm closing my laptop because I don't know what this story is. You said keep your eyes clean. (laughs) Okay. I I just want to 
let you in to the joy that I have felt and experienced following the arts and craft war on TikTok at the moment. I'm guessing neither of you have seen this because this is also now big on Twitter overnight. I have not seen anything. Or X, X, dare I say. (laughs) Big on X. Now, a shout out to the TikTok creator at Silly Georgie because they put me onto this drama. They were my entrance into this omniverse and I need everyone to know about it. So there are two main TikTokers at war right now. One is called Tay Beep Boop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she is a big deal. She has 1.9 million followers. Then there's Karen Joy. She's also a big deal. She has 1.8 million Ooh, followers. <laughs> they do almost identical stuff. They're big into DIY, big into interiors, big into maximalism. So it's this like hyper colourful hyper-creative interior-style stuff, but the whole vibe of it is DIY. They show you how they did it so you can do it at your house. I love this. Yes. So this all kind of kicked off when Tay Beep Boop decided to post a video accusing Karen of copying her ideas. No way. The tone of this video... Tay Beep Boop would have loved the article (laughs) that I recommended at the top of this episode. Now, Tay Beep Boop was... Dripping in sass and snarkiness in her video. I'm going to give you the opening line of it so that you can kind of sense the tone. She opened with, I'm about to be so petty and I've never done something like this before, but there is a large creator who it's getting out of hand. Right. So she went on to say that Karen has copied the mossy mirror she made that The green squiggle art gallery in her house has now appeared in Karen's house. And then there was this. I have a monster head art gallery. My boyfriend makes monster heads. They're so realistic and beautiful. And this is Karen's version. This is her monster head art gallery. What the fuck is a monster head? I don't know. Are they like (laughs) sculptures of monsters? Yeah. Um, This is like in their house. This is like, you know that maximalism vibe? I'm trying. I've got to get the last (laughs) one back up. (laughs) It's like they create monster heads and then they put them up on their like bedroom wall. I'm picturing that piece of art in Friends, the really scary yeah. <laughs> Actually not that far off, oh, Annabelle. Wow. Yes. So she oh. also wasn't happy about their similarly painted green and blue colour combinations. She put green and blue paint in her living room and then Karen painted her kitchen green and blue. Right. And Tay Beep Boop said that was such a rare colour combo, it couldn't be anything other than copying. It couldn't, no. Then the <laughs> pièce de résistance. Tay Beep Boop took issue with Karen Joy buying one of her products. She has a wallpaper line and she showed that Karen has that wallpaper. It's cake wallpaper in her home. And this was the snippet where she discussed it. She hung up this cake wallpaper. That just happens to be my actual wallpaper line that I have. Look at this photo. Orange couch, wallpaper, monster head art gallery. That orange couch is literally the knockoff of my orange couch. And that's my wallpaper, which is fine. Anyone can buy it. <laughs> is, there, is it a problem? <laughs> the wallpaper? Well, this Absolutely is- not. <laughs> God, she doesn't get it, <laughs> Well, I want you guys to tell me, who do you think the public has sided with? Karen, the copier, or Tay Beep Boop, the angry Look, video creator? I would say traditionally people do <laughs> side with the one who has been copied when they can see it. Yeah. I think the average TikTok goes, yeah, I don't want, I don't like the look of copying. 
I'll side with the copied. Okay. In this case, I think they've side with the alleged copier. Yes. <laughs> I think Karen, because you asked us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you would be right. Tay Beep Boop got so much hate, she deleted the video. But then she came out with a statement that made everything worse. She wrote this on TikTok. I posted a video today that I should have continued to handle privately. This isn't what I want my page to be about, so I've removed it. I'm passionate about giving credit to designers and creators and I wish that could have been the case here when it was first addressed. Wow. People did not like this. Karen Joy did not like this. She uploaded a tear-filled response video titled About Tay Beep Boop's Video, <laughs> <laughs> where she said that Tay Beep Boop has blocked her and that she is distraught because she loves Tay Beep Boop and the content she puts out. Here's a snippet of Karen Joy's response. We have talked over message and stuff and like she was so nice and and about two months ago she did ask me not to do any of her DIYs which like I totally understood and I was like that's totally fine like I really do get it um and it was just like a really pleasant interaction like I said she was so nice but I will say like we have very similar styles like I love her I'm so inspired by her and I think it's so crazy to say that no one else can decorate like in color now it was here that another user called adelina's cozy life into oh, the chat tape boop's former high school friend and roommate oh no oh, this is no. you know what you could i should have written a script <laughs> i should have known now adelina's cozy life said that actually tape boop copied her interior style oh, no. and hasn't been giving her credit and that she copied her foam mirror and the overall <laughs> vibe of the bedroom she had when they lived together. Oh, God. So the former best friend is coming out in defense of Karen Joy. Then the company that sells Tay Beep Boop's cake wallpaper line, a company called Otto Studio, issued a strong statement severing ties with her. Wait, they severed <laughs> <laughs> Because she accused someone of copying it. They said they were like wildly disappointed <laughs> and said kidding? they were removing the products effective immediately. The tape Beep Boop collection will no longer be available to purchase. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I appreciate that you can't just randomly accuse people of copying you, but she probably had genuine feelings about it. <laughs> and now she lost her wallpaper line. But I also feel for Karen Joy because that would be hard to have someone come at you on the internet. Yeah. Tay Beep Boop then issued her own groveling apology video where she said her behaviour was wild and inappropriate and that she's grateful for the hate because it's given her the perspective I clearly need. Wow. It's the most chronically online thing I've ever watched in it's my life. It's too online. It's too online. Since this has all erupted in the last few days, Karen Joy no longer has 1.8 million followers. She has 2 million followers and now oh, has usurped Tay Beep Boop. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Karen is Joy once again. Yeah. <laughs> what do we think? It's all in your name. What do I think? Was that worthy of your time? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was worthy <laughs> of my time, but the listeners will tell us tomorrow. <laughs> your Safe Friday. That is all we've got time for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We want to know, who do we interview in London? Oh, my God. Tell us. We'll put up a little London-themed post. I was going to try and do an accent there, but then I got a 
much. Yeah, you sort of pulled out about a quarter of the way through. <laughs> I can't do it. Does anyone else want to try? London. 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 <laughs> if you have any suggestions for us, we will put up a London theme post on Instagram. We want it to be something you guys love as well. So come tell us your thoughts. Give us your suggestions. Tag the people you want to come on the show. And we'll try and make it happen. <laughs> Can't wait. Guys, thanks so much. We'll be back in your ears on Monday. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hi guys, Shameless Media's video producer Charlotte here. I'm abruptly popping up at the end of this episode to tell you about a new series I've been working on called The Tastemakers. It lives on the Shameless Book Club feed and the series explores the inspiration and motivation of Australia's most trusted tastemakers. Hosted by the wonderful Gemma Diamond and spanning across six episodes, we'll hear about everything from beauty to lifestyle and food. One of my favourite episodes to film was with Maggie Zhao. She's such a bookworm and she offered up some really interesting in-depth insights that I really loved. It's so good to see Gemma and Maggie sit down and talk about books and they just had such a fantastic chemistry on the day that when we were shooting, I just knew that this was a good episode. Oh my God. So do you know how we talk about social media and it's like, yeah, like an overnight success, like this person, you know, overnight literally gained a million followers, right? So think of that and now think of the opposite of that. (laughs) And that is me. Tastemakers is made for anybody who is looking for a slice of inspiration from influential women who are ready to offer up their expertise. Search for The Shameless Book Club in your favourite podcast app now, have a listen and make sure to click follow so you don't miss your next favourite episode.